Welcome to the Use Fusion podcast series, Nuclear Collateral Damage, Conversations with Survivors and Experts. In this podcast, we aim to raise awareness about the consequences of the nuclear weapons testing or use by uplifting voices of previous and current generations who have been negatively impacted up until this day. In addition to that, we also draw attention to a kinship of nuclear weapons testing or use with colonial histories in different parts of the world. By addressing individual and collective traumas, we pursue to revive, restore, and reclaim human dignity. My name is Agirem Sitienova, and I'm a program assistant at Use Fusion, and it is my honor to host the fifth episode of this series. Today, we have a conversation with Mera Tuilau, a youth advocate from Fiji. First and foremost, Mera is a proud aunt to her nephews and nieces. She is a rights activist, facilitator, and a youth leader from Fiji. Mera's advocacy on self-determination, nuclear and ocean spaces comes from over seven years of lived experience of engagement with Pacific youth and within regional civil society organizations and movements. Her passion is in young people as stewards of the vast Pacific Ocean is a testament to the Pacific calls to safeguard, guide and determine their destiny and to navigate their narratives until Oceania, the people, are fully free. So, without any further ado, let's start our interview with Mere Tuilau. Bula Mere, which in your language means hello. We are delighted to have you in this episode of the podcast. You have been involved in nuclear disarmament activism for over seven years being a part of different initiatives, including Young Salvara Pacific, which is a regional movement of a collective of Pacific artists. I find your journey fascinating, and I think it would be interesting for our listeners to get to know you. So can you please tell us about yourself and what inspired you to be active in the field of nuclear disarmament? Vinaka Engrim, Bula Vinaka to you as well and to our listeners. I'm Mary Twilau. I'm a Pacific youth from Fiji who is passionate about safeguarding our oceans, our resources, and and self-determination in the Pacific. Uh, What inspired me to be active in this field of nuclear disarmament. I'd like to share uh, the movement that you've mentioned, Young Solar Pacific, and my growth uh, in learning uh, the issues uh, on nuclear justice. Um, Young Solar Pacific was birthed out of the Matua movement called One Solawara. Matua means our mother movement. One Solawara means one ocean. It was a a dance gathering in 2014. Um, uh, Yangsomar is a regional movement made up of uh, 
specific students, artists, poets, writers, academics, and activists, to name a few, uh, who are passionate in safeguarding our oceans and self-determination in the Pacific. Um, every year we, we normally host uh, or convene in Fiji, convene all the youths from various uh, Pacific islands. And one of our convening back in 2017, I can still remember, we had two Marshallese boys named uh, Apo and Ati. They're from the island of Enawatak. And they shared about the impacts of nuclear testing in their islands, the intergenerational impacts such as displacement, jellyfish babies, uh, contaminated seawater, fishes from the leaking runa dome, and various types of cancers birthed from radioactivity such as leukemia, throat cancer, uh, also uh, blood cancers. Their stories about the struggle moved me as a sister, and this led me to deeply learn about issues and its impact in the, in the region. And also I came to learn about our veterans that who served in uh, nuclear testing sites were deeply affected by the nuclear radi uh, radioactivity as well. My passion together with the collective grew more in this, in the continuous uh, address of the uh, uh, unjust that was done to, to us in the Pacific and beyond. As we continue to address uh, these uh, issues, these injustice that happened in the Pacific, we are always reminded to always be the voice for the voiceless and take it to other platforms that we, we any opportunity to speak for us to always uh, speak to share about our struggles. And one of these platforms that I am part of is, uh, I'm also part of is uh, Youth for TPNW. Uh, youth for TPNW uh, is the youth, the treaty youth. Um, They're made up of the global uh, youth leaders across the world uh, who are passionate about nuclear justice and also the banding of nuclear weapons uh, globally. And we are also um, happy to, to announce uh, and also appreciate the hard work of uh, activists that came before us, uh, that the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapon, as we all know, has been adopted and uh, has been uh, now active since uh, January 22nd, 2021. Leading up to that, uh, from that uh, activation, we'll be having a convening in June 21 with the meeting of state parties who, who then will come together and share about uh, the implementation or uh, way forward on the treaty. Uh, for us in the Pacific, the articles that uh, speak to us are Article 6 and 7 on victim assistance, environmental remediation, and international cooperation and assistance. So that's uh, a bit from my end on uh, all the work in that uh, collectively we are part, for, or part of and uh, a bit about myself. 
This is really uh, amazing work that you've been doing with a collective and also as individual as well. The background history of nuclear testing is closely and deeply rooted to colonial rule in different parts of the Pacific. Considering, for instance, Marshall Islands was a colony of the United States, Kiribati and Fiji were colonies of the British Empire, and Tahiti was under French rule, which is not fully decolonized today. Nuclear weapons testing had been carried out by those Western hegemonic powers in the Pacific, neglecting sacred ocean and land of the indigenous people and violating human rights. You're from Fiji, which didn't have a nuclear test site on the island. However, being under colony rule of the British Empire, around 300 soldiers were sent to Kiritimati, Christmas Island, and Malden Island as well, which were also a British colony at the time. The soldiers were sent to work at the nuclear test site in Kiribati being a part of the military personnel with servicemen from other countries like the UK, New Zealand, and the US. I would like to ask you a question particularly related to Fijian soldiers. Did they actually know where they're going to go and what they had to do there? Uh, so there were 33 nuclear tests in Kiritimati and uh, Malden Island, nine tests by UK and 24 tests by US, where some 43,000 personnel participated in the UK and US nuclear weapon tests in and around Kiribati. The tests killed thousands of birds and fish. The 300 soldiers that went to these islands were of the impressions that they were going abroad for some training. And so they were not aware of the nuclear testing and only came to know about it upon arrival of the site. It is important to note that some of these soldiers were in their early 20s and they did not understand the term nuclear testing program or, or specifically nuclear and its impact. Um, and they did not um, had time to evaluate or to, to really get a deeper understanding, especially when their health and personal security is um, involved in, in, uh, in this uh, uh, in this. So for, for uh, I'd like to also note and add that um, the soldiers weren't given the protection that they need. They were exposed uh, protection where were only given to selective groups. They were also uh, standing along the beach while this detonation was happening and they were they were with their service uniform and only thing that was told to them was to face against where the nuclear bomb the testing site and for them to crouch and uh, put their hands uh, over their eyes basically if i uh paul uh, poi said that it was so strong that they they could see 
where uh, they can see their bones, a finger, uh, finger, because they were the the fingers were over their eyes, and so they could see their bones, and and they were shivering from this mass destruction. And basically, we were treated as guinea pigs in this process. So there was no protective measures uh, or even go through radioactive to, uh, measures to, to, to even uh, the detection to see if they had radioactivity in them. There were only selective group who went through that process where they try and scan them if they have any type of radioactive uh, in them. Um, just to answer your question, did they know where they were going? Yes, but they did not know what in particular they were going to do. They know they were going over for training, but they did not know it was going to be a nuclear test program. Thank you, Mary. It actually sounds really terrifying how um, those people just had to stand there and observe and be exposed to such big amounts of uh, radiation. And going to that, Fiji became independent in 1970, which led to the decolonization process and long-awaited self-determination of Fijians. This happened around 10 years after Fijian soldiers were exposed to ionizing radiation while working at the test site in Kiritimati Island. The overexposure to radiation and especially negligence of the British military personnel to provide solar protective measures to Fijian soldiers led to rising numbers of cancer and other illnesses among them. A lot of years have passed since then. And as veterans who suffered from the testing, they have all the rights to reparations from the UK government as the former colony uh, under British Empire. Can you please tell us, has the UK government, as part of the fair decolonization process, provided those soldiers and their families with adequate reparations, such as recognition of harm, apology, compensation, and healthcare assistance? The short answer is no. Uh, these 300 soldiers and sailors were allocated dirty, difficult, or dangerous tasks, paid less than British soldiers, received limited RNR leave, and were subjected to a caliber. Uh, in 2018, Paul Apoy, uh, the president of Fiji Veteran Association, in his recollection of the event stated that he never saw any protective gear at all and was never issued with a badge to measure radiation. Some of these uh, soldiers told journalists Nick McCallan that they supplemented their meals by catching fish, lobsters, and crabs and participated in the gathering and dumping of death, uh, dead, injured, and blinded birds. And so to think of it, they were contaminated by the tests. The work they were doing were also contaminated and the food, water, 
and the air they breathed were contaminated as well. Fiji veterans who have suffered long-term effects from radiation exposed have not been compensated. And as you rightfully said, an apology from the UK and US to acknowledge the injustice? No, they haven't. The long call for US and UK to release a report document about data and the multi-layered impacts of nuclear radioactivity on the ocean and all people exposed to it and after effects as fallen uh, on deaf ears as they argued that there was no link to Fiji veterans exposure to it. US and UK failed to provide these studies and documents uh, to us to prove uh, in itself how terrifying the testing are. This is where the treaty um, this is where the treaty on the prohibition of nuclear weapons is important for us because of its positive obligation uh, on art, specifically on Article 6 and 7, uh, where they are calling for, uh, like, uh, like I've mentioned uh, earlier on, uh, victim assistance, environmental remediation, and international cooperation and assistance. In one of the articles that I, that I read, it mentioned that the UK advised those who are on the aircraft is that when they go past through, uh, through some of the countries and Fiji being one, uh, was that not to mention that they were, they were coming from the testing sites. Testing sites, as this will, our governments would not allow them to come and uh, stop by in our airport, given the, the seriousness of the situation, uh, uh, the situation. And the UK also mentioned that unless they were asked by the government, and they, then they, uh, they can share. But other than that, uh, for them not to share. And also when the aircraft landed in our airport, uh, it was really hot. It was it was different hot from a, a normal uh, aircraft. And it was also said that uh, radio, that's, that's a proven of radio, how strong and what the, the radioactivity carried on. Even that in itself is putting us uh, Fijians into, into a huge risk, uh, whole population, them flying over to our airport. And con as, we, uh, as we shared earlier on, contamination, they, they do not know boundaries and the ocean, even the people and also the, the fish, it carried it to where, wherever it is going towards. That is something that I, I really, I thought to add how important for us to always share this information because of UK and the US fail to acknowledge uh, what happened to our veterans and the, the, the injust, the big injust that, were, that happened to our veterans and other veterans who also is going through uh, our, what our veterans are going through. Also, we are the downwinder of the French uh, nuclear testing to Tahiti. We felt the, the effects through the, the wind and also some testing particles that washed up into our uh, shores.
Mary, thank you very much for highlighting so many details. I just wanted to share that we use Fusion in coalition with a lot of different organizations, starting from Abolition to Southern UK, Basel Peace Office, International Association of Lawyers Against Nuclear Arms, World Future Council, uh, Nuclear Free Local Authorities, Scientists for Global Responsibility, and others and others. We submitted a civil society report to the United Nations Human Rights Council's mechanism, which is called Universal Periodic Review of the United Kingdom. It's uh, 41st session, where among the issues of the nuclear uh, program of the UK, we also mentioned the testing of nuclear, of nuclear weapons that the United Kingdom undertook. It uh, detonated 45 nuclear tests between 1952 and 1991. And of course, none of these tests were undertaken in the UK. And we also mentioned that nuclear veterans, they did not receive fair compensations and compensation for military personnel impacted by the tests has been available, although in many cases it was just either late or inadequate with many compensation claims to be rejected. Compensation for civilians impacted by the test has been much more limited and in the case of Kiribati appears to be non-existent at all. And I just wanted to share that with you about the work that we have been doing. And I really hope that this submission to the Universal Periodic Review Cycle will have any results and impact and any response from the UK government as well. And this leads to the question that when I was preparing to this episode, it was really hard for me to find youth activists from Kiribati Island who are active in the field of nuclear disarmament. And as far as I know, a lot of people from Kiritimati have been displaced as the result of climate change and moved to Fiji or other islands in the Pacific. Do you or Young Solvaro Pacific work with Kiribati government, Kiritimati young people and communities? Yes, we work with young people at the forefront of uh, struggle, including Kiribati students and youth. For Kiribati Island, it's even within the Kiribati community, um, we've always find it hard to locate those who are from Kiribati Island. That's from, from my understanding. It is impossibly difficult for Kiribati young people who are from the testing allocated to meet up as well and uh, with other affected persons because of displacement and many of their grandparents and relatives have passed away due to nuclear radioactivity which have formed into cancer such as uh, as I mentioned earlier leukemia thyroid and stomach cancer to name a few okay I I can imagine how it can be hard but taking into account how um, different islands close to each other so that makes sense that a lot of people moved from that island, to be honest, because of the radiation that exists. 
And I know that the ocean and the land are sacred for indigenous communities in the Pacific, through which the rich culture and the spirit of your ancestors give power to the people. In addition to that, the land and the ocean provide resources, including food. In addition to the testing in Kiritimati Island, France conducted tests in Tahiti, the US conducted tests in Marshall Islands, and as you mentioned, also in Kiribati as well. Islands of the Pacific have greatly suffered from those tests where in addition to land, the ocean has been severely contaminated. Considering the contamination of the Pacific Ocean because of the dozens of tests, how do you think it affected the lives of islanders across the Pacific then, in the past, and now in the present, taking into account the impact of climate change? As we know, um, contamination knows no boundaries. Fish migrates, the wind blows, the ocean temperature rises, and the waves carry contamination, which are washed up to our shores. The land texture has changed where living things can't even survive or can't live uh, long. The intergenerational impact of radioactivity has no boundaries. Servicemen are victims and families who were exposed to nuclear radiation expose their families and their children to cancer-related diseases. And with climate change, the risk and threats have tripled. Displacement has caused the loss of culture and way of life where these indigenous peoples were gathered their resources of livelihood from their natural environment now depend on supermarket food and medical assistance. There's also loss of memories and many survivors have unjustly died without an apology from these Western hegemonic powers. There's a generation of displaced people, servicemen and families who are seeking answers and want immediate actions. In July 2020, the government of Fiji signed and ratified the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons. This has been a great step towards prohibition and elimination of nuclear weapons. I would like to highlight the importance of grassroots initiatives, and I think anti-nuclear and peace movements in the 70s and 80s have shaped the present history and resistance of indigenous communities in the Pacific in the past and in today, and it deserves greater recognition and admiration. How do you think the role of civil society in Fiji and other countries in the Pacific contribute to the ongoing fight for justice and accomplishment of the world free from nuclear weapons? Like you were rightfully um, mentioned, importance of grassroots uh, initiatives and um, anti-nuclear and peace movement in the 1980s and 70, uh, 80s have shaped the present history. Specifically, I'd like to share that uh, formation of nuclear-free and independent Pacific movement in the mid-70s led to the drafting of uh, People's Charter under which grassroots anti-nuclear and independence movement cooperated to press for a comprehensive nuclear-free zone. And the recognition of uh, Indigenous people's rights through 
out the Pacific. From this, the South Pacific Nuclear Free Zone Treaty came into being. An important event that uh, also I'd like to add that civil society and Pacific states in the region commemorate is the Nuclear Victims Remembrance Day, which is every March 1st. And there's also multilateral engagement in intergovernmental spaces, such as PIF, UNGA, on the importance of the Treaty of the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons uh, to us, especially in Article 6 and 7, as I mentioned uh, uh, earlier on. Uh, this is just a few events that we've uh, continues to uh, engage and also push for our voices in these platforms. Also, a few highlights I'd like to add on was back in 2020, where the grassroots, the civil societies, and also state parties uh, stood in solidarity. And also, this was led by um, Yang Sawar Pacific, who uh, lobbied Pacific countries into signing, especially. Pacific Regional Country, like I mentioned, um, lobbying them to come come in and to sign and uh, sign and ratify the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapon, which today we're standing in uh, ten countries from the Pacific, and um, there are other uh, countries from the Pacific who've also flagged us that they're going to join the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapon. So these are just few. Uh, events that we've continued to engage on the regional level. Thank you very much. And uh, I think that is just really impressive work that, that the civil society is doing and Fiji being a hub for uh, different organizations as well. And that leads to you are a true leader and a trailblazer, and I'm sure you inspire many more people to join you in your journey in the Pacific and uh, to achieve justice for, for your region. Your activism proves that the role of young people is vital considering the intergenerational impact of nuclear testing. What would you say to young people from your communities and other countries about the importance of the involvement of the younger generation in the issues like nuclear disarmament and climate change? I guess if there's anything I wanna continue to encourage the youth is that someone once believed that the prohibition of nuclear weapon was impossible to achieve, but through decades of activism and the sweats of our matures, we are here. Sadly, many of our victims of nuclear uh, testing are not here to witness or even receive an apology, compensation, or proper medical care. But then time and time have proven through our work, through those uh, activists and victims who live with us in spirit, prove that it is possible to, to bring about a world and own the future that we dream of. The issues on nuclear justice throughout the world is something that 
we, if not directly, indirectly, know the harm it brings to us. It is possible for us to live in a world free of nuclear weapons. Only we can make that possible. Our commitment to the issue on nuclear is as long as we um, live, we will continue to be the voice for the voiceless and to, to know that uh, we are paving ways for our younger generation to maintain and to further our voices. Okay, the last but not the least, uh, in case if I missed something or you have any closing remarks, this is the time to share that with our listeners. Uh, just to reiterate, this is our time and we must show up and own our future. Thank you. Once again, thank you, Vinaka Mere, for being a part of this series and best of luck in achieving your goals. If you're still listening to this part, I want to say that this is the end of the fifth episode of the podcast series Nuclear Collateral Damage Conversations with Survivors and Experts. A huge thanks to Mere Tulao and thank you all for listening and tuning in. You can find more inspiring interviews on Spotify or on the links provided on the YouthFusion website, youthfusion.org. And if you visit our website, you will also find an article format of this interview and everything you want to learn about YouthFusion, our projects and activities. YouthFusion is a worldwide networking platform for young individuals and organizations in the field of nuclear disarmament, risk reduction and non-proliferation. We focus on youth action and intergenerational dialogue, building on the links between disarmament, peace, climate action, sustainable development and building back better from the pandemic. Our goals are clear to inform, educate, connect and engage our fellow students, activists and enthusiasts. Through these activities and as part of Abolition to Southern Network, we are contributing to the total abolition of nuclear weapons. Stay tuned with Youth Fusion to know more about our organization. Take care and goodbye.